Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this episode, we're going to check in at the editor's desk with Allison Stacy, editor of Family Tree Magazine. We'll cover the latest happenings in the genealogy world with the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. In our top tips segment, we'll be picking up some great tips about how to economically accomplish research on the road with Maureen Taylor, who has written an article called Research Trips on a Shoestring, appearing in the March 2009 issue. In the Libby Spotlight segment, we'll be shining the spotlight on the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County with Patricia Van Skyke, manager of the library's history and genealogy department. And in the Best of Family Tree Magazine segment, editors Allison Stacy and the editor of Memory Makers Magazine, Beth Williams, will talk about a unique CD loaded with tips for creating, sharing, and preserving family photos. There's lots to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the editor's desk with Allison Stacy. Time once again to check in with Allison Stacy, publisher and editorial director of Family Tree Magazine. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Hey, I understand that you have something new and exciting that is uh, coming down the pipeline. So why don't you jump right in and tell us what you've got going? Sure. In fact, we just sent our May issue to the presses, and in that issue, which subscribers will be getting, um, probably by the end of this month. We're going to be featuring a brand new series um, in the magazine called Web Guides. Now, I know you just finished the series on the state guides, and those are available on CD. So, yay, we, we get a new series, and I assume each one's going to be, what, focused on a great website and everything you need to know about it? Exactly. We picked one popular kind of important family history website, and then um, we just dive into all the details each article in the series is going to be very much focused on demonstration as well as explanation. So we'll give a how-to article, but then there's also a lot of um, screenshots and step-by-step search examples to help you make the most of it. And I love that because sometimes we you know, hear about those things and, and then you go to do it and you go, well, what does that look like? Where should I be? And, and here I'm looking at it. You've got images right there so you can see where you should be entering data and what your options are. Exactly. And that's so important with the web where you can give tips, but sometimes if you can't see it in context, it's really difficult to figure out how to make it work for you. And so that was a really key component that we tried to build into this new series. And I've got to say, one of my favorite things I noticed right off the bat was on the last page, and and this is multiple pages of information, um, you have a little box and it says, your account. You can write in your username, your password, your expiration date. Oh my gosh, how many times have we gone looking for that? Yeah, um, you mentioned the last page. That whole page is designed to be a cheat sheet, so we've kind of encapsulated the key information and tips and quick access links and all kinds of reference stuff on that back page so that um, you know it's right there in front of you if you want to pull that sheet out or even pull the whole section out. It is a pull-out, um, this series, just like our state guides were. So it's on different paper, and it's got hole punch marks so that you could collect them all in a binder um, or gather them together <laughs> on your desk or whatever. Um, so they're portable. You can take them with you um, wherever your research. Oh, that's great. We can set it right next to our computer and 
dive into them anytime we need them. Now, uh, what type of websites are we going to be seeing featured in the um, web guides? Well, the first one's on Ancestry.com. That seemed an obvious choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, that's probably the best-known website for genealogy. And um, actually, our managing editor, Diane Haddad, wrote it. She has recently taken a trip out to Ancestry.com um, and you know worked with the staff there and um, visited their offices. And so she had a really good inside look at what they're doing on the site and tips on how to use it. And you'll find a lot of great information that she learned in that article. Yeah, in fact, I was featuring that in my recent Genealogy Gems podcast because I had been out of town, got back in, and wow, she had a multi-blog series (laughs) of everything that she'd learned, lots of really interesting insider tips. So actually, we'll put a link for that blog series as well in the show notes for this episode so that you can access that. So Mm -hmm. you're diving into Ancestry. What kind of other uh, websites will we be looking for in the future? After Ancestry, we're going to take a look at a mixture of different free and paid websites, like I said, popular ones and important ones. So um, coming in the July issue is footnote.com, and then we'll take a look at the National Archives website, World Vital Records, and Genealogy Bank. And then, you know, beyond that, we haven't planned specifically, but we have quite a few ideas in mind. And, of course, we would love to um, hear from the listeners and the readers what sites you would like to see covered in this series. So um, drop us a line over email. And let us know. Well, this is great. Um, having the experts at Family Tree Magazine, you know, putting it all together in one place. Um, everything from quick links and hot links to resources to how to get customer support at these sites. All great stuff. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. We'll look forward to the first web guide in the May 2009 issue. And we'll go from there. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Today's news from the blogosphere segment, we are going to be talking with genealogy insider and managing editor Diane Haddad, who's here to give us some inside scoop on the new television show coming to the U.S. called Who Do You Think You Are? and a review of some of the new genealogical records from around the world that have been released in early 2009. So welcome back to the show, Diane. Thank you. So I understand that uh, when you blogged about Who Do You Think You Are in January, got lots of comments on that. What's been going on? I did. Um, People are just wondering whether this is going to be another celebrity reality TV series or whether there will be actual genealogical content. And I think, um, of course, most people who read our blog would be interested in seeing the genealogy and the real people behind these celebrities who you hear so much about nowadays. And actually, we found out an update that um, originally we thought the premiere date would be April 20th, and it turns out that's been pushed back a little bit towards summer. So, Yes, I understand that uh, Deal or No Deal has gotten the, the prime spot there. <laughs> so, that's what I heard. <laughs> but at least NBC is still committed to bringing the show forward uh, in the summer. Right. And I understand that they've been talking about some of the celebrities, where Sarah Jessica Parker... Mm-hmm. She was one of them, Susan Sarandon, and the producer is Lisa Cudrow from Friends. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. I want to see what they'll do with it. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be um, a good slice of the reality TV side of things, and then, but also the history, because certainly isn't that what the show that originated in the United Kingdom is really based on? 
Yes, and it's been a really, really popular show there. So um, we tend to import popular television shows. That's where American Idol came from, so maybe yeah. this will be as big. Oh, we hope that it really sparks a new and fired-up interest across the United States in family history. That yeah, would be terrific. an appreciation for ancestors, yeah. Yeah. And then tell us what's going on new with records. Uh, you mentioned that Footnote has a, a new database collection coming on. They do. They have put together some of their records relating to African-American genealogy into a African-American history collection. Um, I think they're calling it the Black History Collection. And that has Southern Claims records, Colored Troop Service records, and those kinds of records that can help people learn about their um, ancestors during and after slavery. They're also adding to those this month. Um, of course, February is African American History Month. They're adding some records from Washington, D.C. related to slavery, um, slave schedules from Puerto Rico, emancipation records. So that'll be pretty exciting to see. And some of those new records will be free during the month of February. So, um, Go on and get those if you think your ancestors might be in those collections. And that um, fits right in with the timing of the 200th birthday of Lincoln, doesn't it? It does, February 12th. And I think you mentioned also that there are some Indian censuses coming online. There are. Footnote is putting on the annual censuses of Indian reservations. They're adding those. Um, those records are also on Ancestry.com. But another population that's difficult for people to research because they didn't generate a lot of records. So um, those will be very handy if your ancestors lived on an Indian reservation. Great. And anything else? Um, Family Search has been, they're keeping busy. All their volunteers are busily indexing records. Um, they have some international records. The Argentinian census, um, Canadian 1916 prairie provinces, They've put some Irish civil registration indexes online. A lot of Americans have Irish ancestry, so that's one people have been looking forward to. Um, Netherlands, Philippines, Mexico. So go on to the Family Search Record Search Pilot, and you can click on a map of the geographic area where you think your ancestors are from and just see what records are available from that place. Well, it's really exciting to see the international records expanding. I know that Ancestry has brought on Chinese records, mm -hmm. and it's going well beyond just having European roots. It's really going to be able to help everybody around the world who would, might be wanting to uh, further into their research. Absolutely, and I love that diversity. We will have links to all of Diane's blog posts over at the Genealogy Insider blog, talking about the Who Do You Think You Are TV series, um, linking you to all of these new records that are coming online. Um, as always, Diane, fantastic to talk to you, and we'll look forward to talking to you next month. Me too. Traveling out of town to trace your roots can be a lot of fun, but you don't want it to bust your budget. And in this episode's Top Tips segment, we're going to talk to Maureen Taylor about how to economically accomplish research on the road. You know, Maureen, as the author of Family Tree Magazine's Photo Detective blog, and she is the author of the article Research Tips on a Shoestring in the March 2009 issue of the magazine. Welcome back to the show, Maureen. Hey, Lisa. How are you today? Doing great. We're thrilled to have you back. You know, even though there's so much great genealogical information available online from the comfort of our own home, 
I really think there's nothing like visiting ancestral locations in person and, and getting to see the records firsthand. But I know, as you do, that the cost of traveling, um, particularly these days, can really add up quick. And I love your article because you arm us with seven great ways to keep those costs down so that we can still kind of get out there and experience our family history firsthand. Now, I get the feeling from the article that you've done this quite a bit. Is that true? I am known as the family cheapskate. (laughs) 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 There's nothing. I love to travel, Lisa, and there's nothing I like more than finding a travel bargain. Um, And, yes, I do travel for genealogy research, but I also travel around the country, you know, giving lectures, and being aware of my client's budget is very important. So I try to get the best fare, the best hotel rate, and really try to work it so that I can make more trips, not less. You know, really stretch that budget. So let me tell you about a couple of websites that I now use regularly to compare prices on flights and hotels and travel packages. So I have a membership with the AAA, um, which is AAA.com, and you plug in your zip code and it gives you the AAA net travel center nearest you, but you're really doing it all online. And so I start with, start with that and research hotels and airfare, but there's another way to do it, and there's three sites I want to mention. One is called Faircast, and I mentioned it in the article. It's www.faircast.com. There's another one called Kayak, K-A-Y-A-K.com. And what these two sites do is when you plug in your departure point and your destination is you have a choice. You can open all the different windows for all those different low-cost travel sites like Travelocity and Expedia. They all open in this Faircast and Kayak. So you immediately get your screen filled with all the different fares to that destination from your um, departure point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, it's fantastic. It does actually clutter up your screen quite a bit. So it's a little startling when they start all opening all at once. Um, and the other thing I found, though, is I was recently using that site and booked a trip, and I was charged an extra fee by one of the a discount sites that it linked me to, and that was unexpected. So there's an extra $6 charge in there. Um, so you have to be wary of that. Then there's another site that I just found. Uh, someone actually told me about It's called Travel Zoo. And that's www.travelzoo.com. And we're trying to make a family trip overseas, which is very expensive these days. And so I've been on Travel Zoo trying to find the best possible fare. And this does all the international airlines um, as well as the domestic ones. So it's terrific. So don't, you know, don't hesitate to to jump that Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, whichever one you want to go to, um, to go visit the town in which your ancestors were from or to do some on-the-ground research. It might not be as expensive as you think. Exactly. And I'll have um, links to all of the websites that uh, Maureen just mentioned in the show notes for this episode. And Maureen, you know, this kind of prep work that you're talking about doing online, that was really a theme that I picked up from the entire article, which is absolutely packed full of of these kinds of terrific websites. But that theme was that preparation before you leave is really what makes the difference, doesn't it? It's amazing. When I start thinking about a trip, I go online and I use all these sites. And I also go on the sites for the local travel bureau, for instance, 
um, to see if there are any discount tickets. My cousin got a fantastic deal on Priceline.com by bidding on a hotel uh, for a major city. She got a five-star hotel room for $100 a night. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I actually just came back from Washington, D.C., uh, just before, just after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, and this is my all-time best travel bargain. My family is in awe. <laughs> uh, I had booked a, a hotel through Hotels.com, and I wasn't comfortable with the arrangements, and I wasn't comfortable with the price, and I wasn't comfortable where its location was. And I joined all those frequent user uh, travel user things for all the different hotels and the airlines, and you really do save. Because in my uh, email came an offer from a five-star hotel. I got two rooms with breakfast buffet for half of what I would have paid for one room. And getting that meal included really helps shave it off, doesn't it? Yeah. There were four of us. We saved $80 a day just with the breakfast buffet. And the AAA membership is what got me the free breakfast. Oh, gosh, Maureen, you got me all geared up. I want to go take another trip. <laughs> and go, I love you... to travel. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's uh, seven terrific tips in this that she really goes into in detail in this article. And I think number seven really sums it up in that you want to, after all this wonderful research that you do, these great bargains that you get, if you're not prepared and you don't squeeze in every last bit of research that you can do while you're there, then your cost per document or cemetery or whatever it is you're going to explore goes up. So I love the idea that you talk about getting online, looking at the catalogs, really knowing before you leave what it is you want to accomplish. Well, that's right. I mean, if you're going to make that trip, and you inve- and it's an investment, you know, and it's time invested and it's money invested, you need to also organize all of your research or the research that you think you want to do while you're there. Maybe not all your research, because I'm sure all of us have piles in our kitchens and offices (laughs) of things we're never going to get to. But if you're going to an ancestral hometown, then organize that material so that you can bring it with you. And and also make a checklist of this is what I would like to do while I'm on the ground in that area. And again, online is the key to planning all of this trip. Well, I really appreciate you joining us here on the show. If you would like to learn more about Maureen's fantastic ideas for saving money so you can get out there and really see things for yourself in terms of your family history research, read the Research Trips on a Shoestring article in the March 2009 issue. Hey, Maureen, wonderful as always to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Lisa. In our 101 Best Website segment, we're going to take a look at the Missouri Digital Heritage Initiative website at MissouriDigitalHeritage.com. Through the Missouri Digital Heritage Initiative, the Missouri State Archives and the Missouri State Library, in partnership with the State Historical Society of Missouri, are assisting institutions across the state in digitizing their records and placing them online for easy access for you and me. And I am very pleased to have on the show today John Dugan. Uh, He is the State Archivist at the Missouri State Archives in Jefferson City, Missouri. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me here. Well, I'm so glad to have you on because uh, your website, I fully admit I'm not that familiar with. I read about it in uh, the Family Tree magazine the 101 best websites list sounded intriguing. And so I just wanted to bring you on board and 
have you tell us a little bit about the Missouri Digital Heritage website. How did it uh, come to be, and what kind of role do you play in it? Well, uh, the, the Missouri Digital Heritage website started out from past successes that uh, Secretary, uh, State Secretary of State uh, Robin Carnahan had with the past archives websites. And we wanted to kind of reach out beyond the walls of our building. Uh, so uh, we uh, tried to partner with uh, the State Historical Society, the State Library, and actually our strongest partners are those smaller cultural institutions across the state and help them to digitize their records as well. The core of the collection is the, is the material here in the state archives, but we're now building that collection much, uh, much broader uh, than the walls of the state archives. And we've had a lot of success with that uh, because there are a lot of small libraries, museums, historical societies, genealogical societies out there that are now contributing content to the to the website as well. So it's kind of grown over the years from being just uh, the archives website and and an adjunct part of the state library's website until something that's that's much bigger and broader than 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 any of the parts. It's always so exciting when you get to, when we hear about state archives taking this kind of initiative because so often a trip to the state archives isn't real feasible or, or convenient, although it can be a, a wonderful trip. And I'm wondering, in talking to many state archivists, they often mention that just because they are in archives for a particular state, it doesn't mean that necessarily their holdings are only for that particular state. Do you find that as well, or are you really focused on just pulling out materials and digitizing materials about Missouri? Well, um, Missouri is actually a key state in the migration west. Um, so a lot of uh, customers that use our website are not from um, the state of Missouri. Uh, Missouri was was the the hub of all of the Western trails, um, and and migration patterns, uh, whether it's the Mormon migration or other migrations, uh, oftentimes stopped uh, in Missouri for a time before they moved west. Um, so I think you'll find that 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 customers from across the nation, across the world. Uh, use our website as well. Missouri Digital Heritage also is kind of unique in that we have a lot of historical material uh, on our website that are held uh, by Missouri uh, institutions that may not deal with Missouri history. I'll use one example. There are many on our website, uh, and that is uh, actually uh, a large collection of atlases of the moon um, that has absolutely no uh, relationship to um, to Missouri history uh, at all, but yet a lot of people use uh, that collection uh, because uh, it's a unique item that's held by the University of Missouri uh, in Columbia. So, you know, there are there are a lot of people that we use our website um, for genealogy purposes that uh, are not from the state of Missouri, and there are actually people that we use it for historical purposes that the content is not from Missouri either. And I think one collection in particular that really stands out to me on the website is your newspaper collection. I mean, you really do have free access for people to come in and pull up the pages from the various newspapers. And as you said, so many people were making their way through the state. So this particular newspaper collection seems like it would just be a gold mine for potentially anybody researching folks going west. Uh, the newspaper collection is is only a small percentage too of what is being done in that area. Uh, one of our strong partners, the State Historical Society of Missouri, um, has a, a has a world class uh, newspaper collection, and they're scanning some of the smaller towns, which is really great as well, uh, because those are the those are the collections that uh, that are oftentimes hard to get information. 
uh, information from. So, uh, yes, the newspaper collection is, is a fine example of one of those collections on our website that one of our partners is contributing. I like to ask archivists this, or librarians that we talk with, you know, do you have a favorite collection? What's one of the things that stands out to you that you uh, really enjoy taking a look at here on the Missouri Digital Heritage website? That's a hard question for an archivist <laughs> or a librarian because it's like, that's like asking you to pick out your favorite child. I think that probably, uh, at least in my mind, it's the collections that we're working on currently that are always your favorite. And then you move on to something else and you probably get a new favorite. Uh, we're bound to, to put on the website the Sanborn Fire Insurance maps for the state. Uh, and, you know, genealogists might not be, hopefully a lot of them are, but genealogists might be, not be familiar with those. Uh, but they're just a wonderful way to kind of embroidery some of uh, the details that you don't get from your standard sources onto that fabric of your family's genealogy. They um, they have so much details. If you've gotten an address from a city directory or a census, a modern census record, uh, the the Samra maps kind of show you the outline of the house, uh, whether it had porches or not, what how buildings were on the property, how it sat on the site. Um, it tells you what kind of construction the building had. You know, it kind of it was the aerial photography of the period uh, from the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Um, you know, it kind of confirms if, you know, if it was really that far to, for Grandpa to go walk to the store to get uh, the groceries for, grandma, you know, for his grandma or for his parents. Uh, because you can see the entire neighborhood, really the entire city, uh, and how it was arranged. And it's just a wonderful resource for genealogists. That's probably my favorite right now. If you call me in six months, it'll be something else. Well, I think that's a great choice. The Sanborn maps are a wonderful resource. They're not always available everywhere. So to have them here on the Missouri Digital Heritage um, website and coming up is terrific, along with all the newspapers. It sounds like we've just kind of scratched the surface because not only do you have this vast array of collections, but also some online exhibits that people can take a look at. So, um, John, I want to thank you for kind of whetting our appetite to come and visit the website at MissouriDigitalHeritage.com and uh, for taking the time out to talk with us today. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for honoring us with uh, your award. Uh, and we hope the reason we do it is because we want the genealogist uh, to have free access to these records so that uh, they can find the records that they need. Fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank you. In June 2008, Family Tree Magazine honored the libraries with the biggest and best collections of genealogical resources. And today I have asked Patricia M. Van Skyke, manager of the History and Genealogy Department at the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County in Ohio, which was a Libby Award winner, to join me today on the show. Now, in addition to managing one of the largest genealogy collections in the country, Patricia is also an author, a web developer, she's a curriculum leader for distance learning classes, and a trustee of the Ohio Genealogical Society. And she lectures widely on the topics of urban and immigration research, as well as genealogical librarianship. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad you could join us. You know, I know that folks in Ohio are probably very well aware of your library, but the Public Library of Cincinnati is really a great resource for everyone. So I was hoping that you could give us an overview today of the kinds of genealogical records that we might find there. 
Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, first of all, I want to point out that we're not just an Ohio collection or a Cincinnati collection, but we do actually cover all 50 states and somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 foreign countries. Um, so um, we're really a place that we attract people from all over the United States. We do hold the honor of being the oldest genealogy collection west of the Allegheny Mountains, and it's more than 150 years old. Um, and we specialize um, in, of course, general American genealogy, but also African-American, German, Irish, and Great Britain. Um, and one of the things, too, that people might think of when they think of Cincinnati is they may think, well, my I never had Cincinnati ancestors. But interestingly enough, even though you don't have to have Cincinnati ancestors, is that in 1850, Cincinnati was the sixth largest city in the United States, and an awful lot of people landed here on their way other places. So you may have Cincinnati ancestors and not know that. So we're also a great source for local records as well. Um, most of our records um, that we have are either transcribed records that are in book form. Um, the archival records that we have tend to be on microfilm or in a digital format. Um, we, it's not likely that we're going to bring you a box of manuscripts to look through. That makes um, sense. We sure. also have a very good map collection. In fact, we've been ranked in the top three map collections in the country by the Special Library Association. And advanced genealogists really like to dig in and use maps in conjunction with the genealogical research. So it sounds like a lot of the great resources that you have may be something that we want to make a special trip and come in person and take a look at, even though we might be looking at microfilm and not originals. Um, and that brings me to your website online, which is at CincinnatiLibrary.org. Right. And I'm wondering, once we get to that website... We may not be looking at databases, but what's the quickest way to use the website to do our research before we come for a visit to know what you have and, and what we want to look at? Sure. Well, we don't have a genealogy room the way some libraries do. Mm -hmm. Our genealogical resources are integrated into other categories. But if you want to look at what we have in the way of book form or microfilm, my recommendation is for you to click on the, it looks like a paint spot, um, on the right-hand side of the page that says catalog. And to search under a subject area, we do categorize most of our genealogical resources by county if you're looking in the United States. So that would be the first thing, and you could see everything that we have on a particular county in Iowa or whatever. And again, um, because we cover all 50 states, you know, we've had people from Delaware tell us that we have more Delaware resources than Delaware does <laughs> or whatever. Um, we also have something that's really special, which is an index to our compiled family history. So if you're looking for the history of the Cook family or the Van Skyke family, and maybe there wasn't a book that was written on the Van Skyke family, but the Van Skyke family was covered in the history of the Abel family, you could go to this advanced surname index, and you still are at the catalog, but from there, you want to do an advanced search to get to the surname index. And then we also do subscribe to research databases, and we have a virtual library where we're putting more and more materials, starting with our city directories, 
online. And that's going to be on that same right-hand column. There's a paint spot that says Virtual Library. And you can click on that and look at more and more of our resources that we're putting up there. Well, the, the question I love to ask all librarians is, here you are with this terrific collection and, and lots of great resources. What's your personal favorite genealogical collection or item there at your library? Something that we're just now starting to dive into and get sorely, sort of fully maximized is um, actually an object, and it's, it's a photograph. It's actually a panorama, um, an 1848 daguerreotype photograph of Cincinnati. It is the oldest existing photograph of an urban area in America. The technology back then in 1848 was known for getting very, very precise, detailed pictures. In fact, the picture is taken from more than two miles away across the river. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to marry the technology that was used then with what is used today and actually put it under a microscope and see things that the photographer never saw that uh, exceed what the naked eye could see, at least from across the river where it was taken. And we're combining that with all kinds of genealogical resources so we can look at a particular building now and we can put that together with a deed and find out who lived in that building or city directories. We're matching churches that are shown there with some of the church records there. We actually have a project where we're going, again, using the microscopic images and looking to see all of the names that we can see painted on buildings and on streets and trying to connect those with genealogies of people that lived in Cincinnati at that time. Oh, that sounds really exciting. It's kind of a forensic genealogy project, it sounds like you have there. <laughs> oh, well, Patricia, this has been exciting. It's kind of whetted our appetite for coming and visiting the Cincinnati Library and just being aware that it isn't just for the folks in Ohio, it's for all of us. If you'd like to visit them, you can do that at CincinnatiLibrary.org. Patricia Van Skyke, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you. there's a natural synergy between family history and scrapbooking. So it makes perfect sense that at some point Family Tree Magazine would team up on a project with Memory Makers Magazine, which is also published by the same company. The results of this collaboration is a searchable CD filled with 15 inspirational packed articles from both magazines called Family Photo Essentials. Well, today on the show, I've got the editor of Family Tree Magazine, Allison Stacy, and the editor of Memory Makers Magazine, Beth Williams, with me to talk about the CD and how it can help you create, share, and save your family photos. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Thanks, Lisa. And Beth Williams, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, ladies, even though there's a very natural relationship between scrapbooking and family history, I imagine you two are pretty busy with your own magazines. So, Allison, why don't you start off by telling us how the CD project came about? Well, 
like you said, photos are obviously an important topic for genealogy and for scrapbooking um, because both are about preserving family memories. But our two magazines address different aspects of photography and sometimes we'll approach the same topics in a slightly different manner. So we thought that readers of both magazines would enjoy and benefit from having all that kind of information in one place. Plus, we work nearby each other in the editorial offices, so we thought it would be fun to work on a project together that combines both genealogy and scrapbooking, which, again, the photos are the bridge for both topics. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I know the content is split up into three different themes. Um, You've got taking great photographs, um, displaying your pictures, and then preserving your memories. So what kinds of advice will people find in each of those sections on that CD? Well, if we talk a little bit about taking photos, they'll find anything from group photos, how to take outdoor photos, how to capture great baby photos from birth to the first year, as well as just how to keep things real. It's really all about capturing the little everyday moments that tell a big story. So we also touch not only on those topics, but then delve in a little deeper to how to accomplish and capture those photos through perspective, composition, lighting, um, and other general tips that just really help ensure the best possible photo. And then when it comes to displaying photos, We talk a little bit about how you can choose a memory album. There's a one-page guide in there that highlights the different types of albums that are available and how to choose the one that suits the project that you want to do. We also, um, a big part of our magazine and our industry is really all about scrapbook or memory album layout ideas and how to use scrapbooking for gift ideas. So on the CD, you'll find some great one-of-a-kind presents tailored uh, to the recipient that you can make in a weekend or less, such as an accordion mini-album, which is just really just a way to fold and create an album in an interesting way. So it's really all about personalization um, and just capturing the memories that are important to you or to the recipient. For preserving photos, um, there's a few different perspectives and topics there. Um, One is proper archival photo storage. So there's an um, article by an archivist where she highlights um, different tips for making sure that your memories will stay intact for years to come. Um, We also provide some scanning advice. Um, Anybody who has boxes full of um, photographs, print, print, actual prints, um, knows that the idea of putting them all in digital format on your scanner is really daunting and time-consuming, so we give some ideas on how to speed up that process as well as some services that can do that for you, um, as along with some tips for using Photoshop and other photo editing and organizing software to um, keep everything all in order and um, actually restore and preserve the original appearance of some of your historical photographs. I really love this because it just covers the whole gamut of what we do. I mean, as a family historian, we're not just preserving the the photos of great-great-grandfather, but we're really also preserving for the future generations our history, which I think is so critical. So um, how wonderful to have tips in all of these areas on one um, 
product that you can then pull from as you need it. I'd love to have you share, you know, one of your favorite tips from the CD, maybe a story of how one of the articles um, helped you personally. Allison, do you have something that you've kind of pulled from there and, and put into use yourself? You bet. Um, we talked a little bit about Photoshop and using that to um, keep your photos in order. Well, we one of the articles on the CD talks about how to organize um, your digital photos with Photoshop elements and talks about tagging and sorting things into albums. Well, this really appealed to me because I have hundreds, if not thousands, of photos on my digital camera. Right. And they're just sitting on my hard drive, vacation pictures, family pictures, genealogy pictures, such as tombstone photos. And after editing that article, I spent a couple of hours on one Sunday tagging and sorting everything on my hard drive. And it actually took me a lot less time than I thought using these tips. So now it's super easy for me to look up all of my garden pictures or all of my pictures of my nephews without having to dig through every one of those pictures on my hard drive one by one. Oh, that's great. And Beth, what about you? Have, have you uh, put some of these ideas into use? I sure have. Uh, we feature Becky Fleck. Um, she's our Page Maps contributing editor and the author of Scrapbook Page Maps. And we featured several of her sketches for scrapbook page layouts in this CD. And they offer lots of different options for text and photo placement. And so when I find myself staring at a pile of photos and papers and embellishments and it's what I do all day long and sometimes I find that I just am stuck um, and I just kind of get a little overwhelmed and I'm like well now what I just look at one of Becky's layouts and it provides an easy effective way to create scrapbook pages so she kind of does the legwork that helps jumpstart the creativity and I think that's true whether you're new to scrapbooking or if you've been at it for years like me and I know she saved me more than once, that's for sure. Um, I ended up doing my daughter's soccer photos, and she's been on several different teams. And for some reason, I just wasn't motivated to get those done. And so I pulled out a couple of Becky's sketches, and, and those pages are complete now. So it's a good feeling. Oh, that's great. Well, you've heard it for yourself. The editors of these magazines themselves are using these tips. And um, if they can do it, we can do it. Lots of wonderful articles. Again, 15 inspiration-packed articles on the CD called Family Photo Essentials. And I'll have uh, notes and links for you on the show notes for this podcast episode so that you can access it yourself. And um, Beth and Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing these ideas with us. It's terrific. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for the February 2009 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure to visit the Missouri Digital Heritage at MissouriDigitalHeritage.com and the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County website at CincinnatiLibrary.org. Then get out your March 2009 issue of the magazine to read Maureen Taylor's article on planning your next research trip without breaking the bank. And finally, order your copy of the Family Photos Essentials CD to get the sharpest tips from both Family Tree Magazine and Memory Makers Magazine for snapping better photos and preserving those precious ones that you already have. 
You can find that at fwmagazines.com slash product slash 1540 slash four. I'll have that link and all the links mentioned on today's show for you in the show notes for this episode. You can find us on the web at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. And just click on February 2009 episode. And if you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at ftmpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I hope you'll visit me at my website, genealogygems.tv, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems Podcast, and Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. Both shows are available through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.